When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey Eagles fans, this is Mike Hay from NJ Advanced Media, and welcome to the No Huddle Show podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Philadelphia Eagles. You can read our content on nj.com slash eagles, bookmark that, and you can subscribe to our exclusive Eagles Insider Tech Service, where we'll break news, give you insider observations, and provide in-depth analysis. Through Eagles Extra, you can send questions and comments directly to us, and we'll respond to your phone. With me today, as always, is my fellow Eagles beat reporter, Chris Franklin. Today, we're going to discuss the Senior Bowl, what we can learn from the Bengals' quick turnaround, and we'll preview the offseason now that Jonathan Ginn will definitely be returning. Chris, before we get into that, how are you doing today? What's going on, man? It's been a while, man. Doing all right, man. How about yourself? Can't complain. You know, uh, spent the week getting rained on in, in Mobile, and uh, I never want to see uh, liquid coming down from the sky ever again. Well, I think that would actually be detrimental <laughs> to the atmosphere, but but I will tell you this. Nothing makes you appreciate being dry than being rained on for six straight hours, especially when you don't bring a raincoat. Um, oh, yeah, no. I was in my, you know, my famous blue puffer jacket, which got destroyed. I actually had to throw it away in in there. Um, R.I.P. Yeah. Uh, the thing I look forward to most about the Senior Bowl is they have these great notebooks that have like a like a football like texture on the outside that got ruined as well. Um I left with like basically no dry clothes. My wife could, said that she could smell uh, my suitcase from the other room because of how drenched <laughs> everything was. Um, the wet clothes drenched other clothes. I had to buy a senior bowl shirt just to have enough clothing to leave for the next day. Uh, it was a mess. It was one of the most miserable experiences I've ever had covering a football event. But then again, I should like look back like high school, uh, Beat reporters go through this all the time, so I'm I'm lucky. I, uh, you know, it, it was it was an experience. But let's let's kind of get into the nitty gritty of the Senior Bowl because I do think that's what Eagles fans want to talk about. This is a very draft centric offseason for the Eagles, obviously, with those three first round picks. But before we get into that, I want to talk about. Um, uh, Jonathan Gannon's news, right? So the Houston Texans have gone through this 
wild coaching surge. It's made the Jacksonville's coaching surge look tame. They obviously hired former Eagles head coach Doug Marone. Or sorry, not Doug Marone. That was the coach before, <laughs> two two coaches beforehand. But Doug Peterson. Um, and from what I'm told, former Eagles quarterbacks coach, passing game coordinator Press Taylor is expected to join that staff. The, his role is kind of undefined. They're they're interviewing Pep Hamilton uh, for the offensive coordinator job. I'm sure they'll have quite a few more um, conversations there. But uh, the Texans hiring process has been in bananas. Um, every single person that's been a finalist, Brian Flores, who obviously is suing the league now, as well as the Giants, Broncos and Dolphins for their treatment of him, as well as other candidates of color. Then on top of that, uh, Josh McCown, former Eagles QB, who's never coached at the college or pro level, he's there. And then Jonathan Gannon, who I think a lot of Eagles fans are perplexed as to why he's getting interviewed. He He's very well-spoken. He's a very thoughtful guy. He's smart. He gets along with everybody. That's kind of why. People are looking for culture builders now in their head coaches. Um, to me, it's a little bit early. Uh, he was cut from the finalist list. Uh, this weekend. So now it looks like it's probably going to be Lovey Smith, who we heard nothing about throughout the process. Something is afoot there, clearly. Um, I think it would have been bananas to uh, hire Josh McCown, given today's climate, and also the fact that he's never coached at a high level in his life. Um, everybody can talk about how much he understands an offense and how smart he is. Well, that's great and everything, but that's like a third of a coach's job or a head coach's job. I mean, I don't know what the rush is to anoint this guy a head coach. Um, making him an offensive coordinator and assistant head coach seems like a pretty great gig, considering he didn't have to go through the ropes of, of being paid $50,000 to be an assistant quarterback's coach to start out with. So, um, yeah, what's your, what's your, what are your thoughts on Gannon returning? What are your thoughts on the Houston Texans whole sh- whatever this is? Well, the thing is, I'm actually shocked that he didn't get the job. If based on the initial three finalists that were there, I mean, after Flores filed that lawsuit, pretty much looked like he was done. And I didn't think, I think they, the Texans really, really wanted to hire Josh McCown as the head coach, but they looked around or maybe uh, Roger Goodell came in and made a little call like, don't do this. You kind of see what's going on here. So I thought that left Gannon, but apparently it looks like now he's not that guy. And, I think he's. I look. I look again, and I see a guy who's smart, who understands the game, who seems to get along very well with his players, and and, and has turned the thought, their thoughts, initial thoughts on him around. But then I also see the guy who is real passive when it comes to his defense, and I wonder if it's. I think it's going to be for the Eagles. The key is going to be in this draft if they get more of his guys on his defense to run what he envisions that that unit can be. I think we could see him open up his playbook a little more. I'm personally, I think I'm looking toward it as you're not going to have Gannon here in 2023 of one or two two ways. Either he's going to become a head coach elsewhere because I think people are going to look at him and see that he's worth it, or it's going to be a dumpster fire on defense and they move on. But I, and I think I think I think it's going to be the former though. I really think he's going to be a head coach next year. And listen, I mean for the Eagles, it, it helps out their draft plan for him staying because they don't have to change defensive coordinators. They don't have to change up their scheme and they don't have to try to fit, get new guys to try to basically shoehole into 
a new scheme and, and, and starting all over again. I mean, just imagine if they went to a 3-4 and having to replace all those guys. So overall, I think for the Eagles draft plans for this season and the next couple of years, I think it works out well for them. Yeah, I mean, I, I think continuity is really important. I think, look, I think Gannon is rightfully criticized for last year. I spoke to someone yesterday who spoke to a, a defensive coordinator recently who said, that's one of the easiest offense, or defenses I've ever had to play for. Let me repeat that. <laughs> a de- an offensive coach... Uh, who had played against Gannon's defense said that it was one of the easiest he'd ever had to prepare for. Uh, not great feedback, right? So, um, I mean, this is one of those situations where I think Gannon's going to have to grow in his role, and I think he will. I, I don't think he had the safeties and linebackers. I've said this several times. I don't think he had the safeties and linebackers he needed to do what he wanted to do. Now, all excuses go out of the you know, out of the out of the frame now. I think it's time for Gannon to be helped out from a personnel standpoint, but I also think it's on him to grow as a play caller and to scheme up a, a defense that's worthy of the praise and the interest that he is getting as a head coach. Now, um, I will tell you this. The Eagles had the majority of their coaching staff down in Mobile this past week. Um Jeff Stoutlin, uh, Nick Sirianni, Howie Roseman were on the field on Tuesday and Wednesday scouting out talent. Uh, Julian Lurie, uh, the son of Jeffrey Lurie, was on the field as well. Uh, he's kind of getting a feel for things. He was at the hip of Howie Roseman all throughout Tuesday. Um, that's notable because Julian will eventually take over the team, most likely once Jeffrey Lurie decides, hey, I've had enough. But... That doesn't seem like it's going to be anytime soon. It's nice to see, though, that he is taking so much interest in the family business. And if he wants to learn the football aspect, he's taking notes from the guys who are actively involved. Um, Let's get into the Senior Bowl practices. Uh, Other than it being a miserable experience from a personal standpoint, uh, (laughs) there were a lot of guys that stood out. And listen, the Eagles have done a... Really good job under Andy Weidel of adding players from the Senior Bowl. They take a lot of um, a lot of information from the Senior Bowls, and I, I think especially under um, you know uh, under the entire umbrella of what Jim Nagy has brought to the table from crafting these rosters. I think Andy Weidel sees a lot there. Um, You look at what they've taken from the senior bowl since Andy Weidel became the guy who stacks the draft board, Devontae Smith, Landon Dickerson, Marlon Tupu, Mr. T. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Teron Jackson, Jacoby Stevens. They later brought in Trevon Grimes, Jack Anderson, and Marvin Wilson. So that's like eight players just there from the past senior bowl game. Then you look at Jalen Hurts, Davion Taylor, Kayvon Wallace, Prince Teguanago, and then Jared Maiden. So that's a dozen, that's 13 players that have been added to the roster over the past two years from the past two senior bowls. Um, Prior to that, you look at Andre Dillard was the first round pick for them. Uh, Caleb Wilson, Travis Fulgham, 
uh, Tyree Jackson, Gardner Minshew, Ross Pierschbacher, those are guys that they put onto the roster following that that stretch. In 2018, Dallas Goddard, Jeremy Reeves, uh, Brett Toth, Ch- uh, Shandon Sullivan, Kyle Auletta. Uh, in 2017, Russell, uh, Rasul Douglas, Nathan Gary, Corey Clement, Jake Elliott, Duke Riley, and Deshaun Hall. Uh, Carson Wentz, Jalen Mills, Cody Kessler, DeAndre Hall, LaRaven Clark, all from the 2016 Senior Bowl. So they are looking at this as a scouting opportunity, not just for the draft, but the future. And I think that's what's important and that's what's notable here. So there were 20 players that I that really stood out to me. I said, these are the players you should pay attention to in the game. Um, I'll just go down kind of the list. Um you know, from a linebacker standpoint, Brian Asamoah was really impressive. The linebacker from Oklahoma. He's a three down linebacker. He's a little short, but I think he can play Will or Mike. Um, I think he would fit in really well next to TJ Edwards as a Will linebacker. I expect him to be a day three pick or sorry, excuse me, a day two pick. Christian Watson, um, the wide receiver from North Dakota. He put up 800 yards and seven touchdowns this year. Um, he's six foot four and 208 pounds. Uh, I, I think he's a guy that a lot of people were buzzing about uh, in Mobile. Uh, Bernard uh, Remon, uh, the the Austrian lineman who I think is going to get a lot of uh, comparisons to Jordan Milata during this process. Uh, former tight end, super athletic. Uh, Trevor Penning, uh, this aggressive, nasty offensive tackle from Northern Iowa. Abram Smith, uh, this running back from Baylor, who I was extremely impressed by, has really good balance. He's a former linebacker who's zigzagging through traffic. I just thought he was a guy that really needs to be talked about more. He had a great senior bowl game as well. Um, uh, the defensive MVP of the Senior Bowl, uh, Perrion Winfrey, was absolutely unstoppable um, throughout the week. The Oklahoma defensive tackle um has good size and he can anchor really well. Um, and then I thought Khalil Shakir from Boise state wide receiver, really good, um, route running. I think he could be a really good slot receiver. Jalen Petrie from Baylor has this like hybrid nickel role that I think he does really well. Kind of reminds me of, uh, Tyron Matthew. And then look, I think we'll get into the quarterback soon, but, uh, you watched the game as well. What did you think of some of the players that were there? Well, I thought there's some some guys that I thought help out. I really like for me, I like Kirby Joseph because I look at him to assume a role of like I say Andre Seichere, and just because he can play, he he played cornerback when he was Illinois, but he could he I think he could be another safety guy and, and fill in because we know how this team likes to use versatility, especially in the secondary. So he definitely was one of the guys. I, I you mentioned Abram Smith. I thought he was a. I thought he was. Re- he did really well. I saw he like he finished off his runs very well. He, he looks very physical. And he's got the size that I like too. So if you put him. I think if we we all know Jordan Howard. You know, they team likes him, but you know he's got that stinger issue, and he gets banged up. And he's starting to get a little bit older. I think he's a guy who could come in and replace him if the team decides to move on from Howard. So he's a guy I liked. Also, uh, Jermaine Johnson. I thought he he's a guy that I'm actually looking for as the Eagles like like as either if they stay at 19 or if they trade back or, and get him later in the first round. I think when you look at the athleticism he has coming off the edge, you look at that quickness he has, and he he showed he even showed a little spin move that he had. I'm I'm not too keen on defensive lining using spin moves because it takes their eyes away from from the quarterback and, and where the ball potentially could be. But he showed quickness enough that he could pivot around and then 
get in the quarterback's face. And either he has, has long arms, too, so he can either deflect a pass or, or wrap him around if the quarterback tries to get around. So I thought those were three guys that I really, truly liked. And I, I know – and quickly getting to the quarterbacks, I just uh, – <laughs> I'm looking at there. I know Pickett – I know everybody's making a picket because he finished six for six. It was a perfect day. I know a lot was made about Malik Willis, and, and, and I saw the, the one tweet that seemed like everybody picked up saying, well, Cowie Roseman is looking very well. I, To me personally, it just feels like it's a smokescreen because I think they're looking at defense, but if the Eagles keep looking at the quarterbacks and mentioning quarterbacks, then it kind of guards what their real interest is. But I think there's some talent, like looking just overall, like the roster, seeing someone's got it, I think some talent to be had that can be helped this team out. Yeah, I agree. I, I talked to Jermaine Johnson. He really likes to be an edge rusher. There, I mean, he's built like a defensive tackle, but he really knows how to to uh, use his strength and quickness on the outside. I think he's going to be a special player. You'll appreciate this. Um, so there was this corner, Gregory Jr. from Otacha Baptist, who I'd never heard of. I mean, I don't know if anybody would ever heard of him. Um, but he was pressing these Division One guys like a pro. Gave me some Jason Verrett flashbacks. Uh, he's a little taller, but he looks really small uh, by comparison to wide receivers. I was really impressed by he, the way he was pushing guys off of his routes. Kobe Bryant, who's quickly become one of my favorite players in this entire draft class. Um, he played very well. Do you think the Eagles are going to draft him, given how much they talk about Kobe Bryant? Or do you think the Eagles are going to draft him just on name alone? Well, here's why I think they're going to draft him. I spoke to Desmond Ritter, his co- the quarterback for Cincinnati, and he talked about how he gets 1% better every day. That's 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 music to Nick Sirianni's ears. Um, you know, you brought up uh, Malik Willis. I thought he threw the ball as well as anybody in Mobile uh, in the game, uh, protection kind of brought, uh, broke down pretty regularly. So he looked more like an athlete. He only threw four passes, um, for, and, and completed two for 11 yards. So that wasn't really the best showing. Um, I, Sam Howell, I'm not in on, uh, I like, Trubisky Ken, Jr. I, I like, uh, <laughs> I like Kenny Pickett a lot. I thought he, I think he will be the first quarterback selected. Um, it depends on where he goes. I think he goes to Carolina or Denver at, at this point. Um, uh, tight end that I was really uh, impressed by was Greg Dulich from uh, UCLA. Uh, I think he'd make for a really good number two tight end. I think he's improving a lot as a he improved a lot as a blocker as the week went on. Um, he catches the ball cleanly, has some wheels after the catch. Uh, Zachary Carter could be a guy in the mid rounds that makes sense as a pass rusher. If they focus more on the secondary and linebacker groups early on in the draft. Um, I just thought overall, I, I was more impressed by the national team. It seemed more pressure packed with talent. Um, but look, I think, I think the Eagles are going to get at least two or three of these guys in the draft or an undrafted free agency. I, I really think there's a good class here outside of quarterback and um, I was impressed by the wide receivers. I was impressed by the corners. I was impressed by the safeties. Both lines were very strong. Um, and so I think I think they'll take a lot away from this. Uh you know, the Senior Bowl is just a part of the puzzle. We'll be covering the Combine. We'll be covering Pro Days. We'll be covering everything on the way to the draft. Now, let's get kind of into the meat and potatoes of this week, which is Super Bowl LVI. Um, you know, I, I just have this feeling that Joe Burrow and the Bengals are a quarterback and team of destiny 
And it's just kind of like the Bengals have showed you how to build through the draft and be patient. And the Rams have kind of been this team that while they've drafted well in the later rounds, have really invested a lot of premium picks into veteran players. They're kind of polar opposites in a lot of ways. And I'm intrigued by this matchup. I have the Bengals winning 24 to 20. Um, I just kind of just the way everything's going. Um, I think the Rams have shown some cracks in their armor. Um, I do think Matthew Stafford is a very talented quarterback, but Joe Burrow is playing on a whole nother plane right now. Um, what's your takeaway on the matchup? And then the fact that, you know, Zach Taylor started his career with two wins in a season. Didn't, co- didn't, uh, have much better success in the next year. And now he's one win away from lifting the Lombardi trophy. It's kind of crazy. Uh, what's your whole take on the Bengals turnaround and what can the Eagles learn from this? Well, I think the main thing is I'll start with the uh, game itself. I think when you look at both teams, the thing to me is with the Bengals is their offensive line. And I don't, if, just looking at what the Rams do is you have Aaron Donald going against that Bengals offensive line that has trouble with protection to Burrow at times. And I just see Donald move, being moved around on different spots and it really just messing them up. And the only thing I, way I can see the Bengals moving the ball down the field, if it's just a lot of three-step drops and out and quick outs and slants and everything else to mitigate that pressure from the Rams. So I just think the Rams are just going to do enough and to, to win this game. I, I actually have them winning 31 to 17. I think it's going to be that big, especially with the, as a home game. I, I really think that's going to happen. But I think the Bengals, what they done, the Eagles take a lot of lessons away, I believe, because I really truly think that if you're giving patience and you let these guys develop and you let these guys continue to go some type of chemistry. I mean, look at the wire. And this is no way comparing the, Jalen Hurts and Devonta Smith to Burrow and Chase. I think they, I think there, there's still a little gap. There's still there's a gap between Burrow and Hurts a little bit. But when you look at the amount of chemistry they have, they've known each other for a long time. They've known each other's quirks. They know where how each one of likes to run the routes. You can see that comes a big play, especially from the time in college to now. That comes that's huge, and I think that just takes on a different plane, uh, another level, and they can play it. They can basically, I think, get this offense even better if they utilize Smith a little bit more in his offense. That also said, I think it's going to be patience. I think it takes time for a coach and you let a coach use his program and do his thing the right way. You continue to build that way because, I mean, you can right now, the, the Eagles want to have some cap space right now to sign guys. You can make a quick run, but I think it takes a little time when it comes to chemistry and getting the right guys to make a fit to make in order to make a run. 20, the Super Bowl year, it worked out perfectly because all the free agents, they signed like the Tory Smiths and everybody else. They, they came in. They were high character guys. They came in and Chris Long added that leadership. Hey, this is how you win the Super Bowl. This is how you get to there. And he went off that way. I still think this team is still a few players a way to do that. I think year three is where you start to look at, hey, now's the time you really start to, you should be contending for NFC championships. But I think overall, this team has the pieces enough and it's going to take a lot of patience in order to let this team win, I think, in the NFC East next year and to get toward the, uh, into the same conversation of potentially being in a Super Bowl one day. Yeah, I agree. I think, but I do think the NFC is wide open and I think if the Eagles can draft well, like the Bengals have shown, um, and their quarterback situation gets figured out, I think there's room for them to grow, room for them to compete. And I think Tom Brady retiring is a huge reason why. Um, I also think a lot of the young, talented quarterbacks are in the AFC. Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow. Um, 
you know, uh, Trevor Lawrence uh, and all that. I mean, I, I think a lot of, I think the changing of the guard is coming in the NFC. Aaron Rodgers is getting older. Matt Ryan's getting older. Um, Russell Wilson could get traded, etc. So I think there's a lot of open space here as far as who's going to be the next big guy. I mean, Dak Prescott obviously has played very, very well. He hasn't had a ton of playoff success. Justin Fields still needs to figure things out. There's just a lot going, a lot more youth in the AFC at at the quarterback position, or I should say youth with upside um, than there is in the NFC, in my opinion. So um, yeah, I mean, I think, Look, we, we've talked about this Eagles quarterback situation. I think everybody knows you, where you stand. I'm a, a believer the only way you, you make a deal for a quarterback is if you're getting Russell Wilson and you're going all in and you're saying, hey, you know, if, if it's two first round picks for Russell Wilson, you can still build around him when you know you still have a first, a second and a third round pick. And you're saying, you know, they have the money to go kind of get an upgrade at wide receiver and you're going to draft a guard early and you feel good about it and you're going to upgrade the defense as well. So um, that's kind of where I'm at. Otherwise, I would roll with Jalen Hurts for another year. You got it quarterback on a rookie contract if he doesn't work out you've built the team uh, around the quarterback position and then maybe you can nail it in the draft uh next week um you know we should update news perspective the eagles have lost two uh pretty notable personnel guys in ian cunningham and brandon brown uh I, what's your take on the personnel side of things? You know, losing two uh, really strong minority executives to the Giants in Brandon Brown and Ian Cunningham with the Bears. Well, it's a it's a double edged sword. I think when you look at the way the Eagles have it and their way their front office is set up, because you do want to if you're if you're like Howie Roseman, if you want to build this legacy of, hey, you know what, I'm a guy who can help develop front office talent for the future. I think that's a, you have a basically a front a front office tree now. I think that's a good thing for when you look at what Howie Rosen has done in that aspect. But however, having this coming up during one of the most crucial times right now when you're setting up your draft board, when you're doing conducting the player interviews and you're scouring over a tape, you're losing two guys who have extensive scouting experience who were did a very had a very good eye trying to, to pick out the right people that would be a good fit for a team. Now they're elsewhere and they're gone, one of them within the division. So you're looking at all this now. I think it's a big critical blow right now. And it, you got to hope that the Eagles find somebody who is still well-versed in the scouting community. I, I know I've seen Mike Mayock's name being thrown around as a, uh, the, hey, should you get, should you get Mike Mayock? I think even if you don't bring him in as a in a full-fledged, full-time member or I guess director of player personnel, if you bring them in as even a consultant to help you out with this draft, I think that would be a good plus for them to help out have another good set of eyes of scouting. But it's looking like a big void right now heading into a year where you have three first-round picks and you're going to have to have a critical – you're going to have to rely on those to be for your future, especially with those those, uh, selections. So that's what I think. What do you think? Well, you know, I I think I mean, look, I think most of the work for the draft has been done as far as, um, you know, pre-draft scouting. Um, 
I think that they're fine from that standpoint, but good evaluators are hard to replace. We've seen that time and time again for the Eagles. And I think um, they just keep churning out all these promising guys. Remember they still have Dave Codwell who they hired last year. I think Andy Weidel is a guy who should have gotten more consideration for GM jobs. Um, I think they're pretty stacked from, you know, uh, Catherine Raich. She's in, in the front office. She's been raved about around the league. I, I think they are set up to keep going at the pace that they went at last year. They've changed up a lot of the way that they handle things on draft day. I think it's a much more collaborative process, especially based on the draft board. I think they're in the right direction. Obviously, Cunningham and Brown will be tough to replace, but I think they've got a good eye for, for front office talent. I, I bet they are replaced by very sharp minds. You also bring up Jeremiah Washburn, who's got this hybrid role as a front office guy slash um, assistant coach. I could see him being promoted as well. Um, so Chris, I'm going to leave you to uh, have your final thoughts, anything you want as we head into this Super Bowl weekend. Well, Mike, it's going to be this. This next few months are going to be uh, very pivotal. It's going to be pretty exciting watch because one thing I think when you look at just overall team building, over it's just fun thing to see see something being built and formulated before your eyes, and it's a little tough, you know, when you're watching the side. Like it's tough when you're not in the knowing, you're not seeing what's going built in because we're not in the building right now. But it'll be great to see that overall how this thing unfolds and and from here on out it looks like the coverage that's going to be on nj.com is, is going to be in good hands so that's that's the def- thing i'm looking for that's what i got and yeah i mean look this has been a long <laughs> this feels like it's been like an extra long playoff push and i don't know if it's because you know we covered a game and then i went to mobile and now we've got the super bowl which i will be in la this weekend for nice um which it's actually my first Super Bowl I'm going to cover. So uh, very excited about that. Um, you know, so I, I, I think I think the Bengals show a positive approach to scouting and, and, and building, and they've been uh, dunked on so many times over the years. It'd be very cool to cover their first win in uh, franchise history. Uh, so I'm excited for that, and I'm excited for what we have in the, planned in the future over the next couple of months. Um, so for Chris, I'm Mike. We'll talk to you soon.